gotta watch my back. Snipers on the hill with the steel. Waiting to shake F kills. I get elected on Friday. Assassinated on Saturday. Buried on Sunday. They go back to work on Monday. I was prison. I was prison. I feel the rain coming. Let me play my guitar for them right now. Let's go. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got our wide receiver position review, the one that we are just so excited about. I'm actually a little inspired by Daniel Jeremiah's uh, mock draft and then him doubling and tripling down on it, like acting like Giants fans are dumb for not wanting a wide receiver. So I think that's a little more inspired. And I think the wide receiver room for the Giants, Justin, is a very like complicated position because there's... Guys we like, at least a couple, and you know, or maybe three, but one's gonna be gone. Um, but it's 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 pretty interesting. Justin, how are you doing? And we're gonna be three episodes next week for the combine. Oh, big. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, you know, we we made the decision that since there's no news going on, that we're gonna get back to these positional reviews. And I have to admit, you know, get, scraping off the dust on next gen and pro football reference and Looking at some of these advanced stats for these wide receivers, it made me feel whole and it made me feel at home. And it's what I'm comfortable doing and it's what I really like doing. Haven't done it in a while. Then look at Bobby Skinner. He just showed, say something, Bobby. Well, I was going to say, it's, you know, it's back to two pages of the notes for an episode most people aren't going to listen to. So. <laughs> no, but that's, uh, that's what makes this show good and that's what uh, that's what I really like about it. So You do learn some things in these episodes. Yeah, like, yeah, really. Like, like th- this helps us for like it, it put together like wow this is interesting I didn't look at it from this way like there's a Sterling Shepard stat that's like oh my god even though he's probably not going to be here yeah and there's something about just these guys in general that I want to that I want to ask you too but uh each of these wide receivers I have different and kind of strong opinions on like each individual one is different and it's kind of strong about how I feel about their 2021 season so I'm good. Glad to be doing this kind of episode. Excited for three episodes next week with the Combine. We're, ro- we're rolling out a lot of good draft stuff on Talking Football. Two draft breakdowns a week on the on that YouTube channel. And Bobby's doing a good job of banging those out. So, feeling good. Let's let's do this. All right. Before we get into it, uh, this episode was brought to you by four special people. We got Louis F. Actually, he I'm going to call him Louie. Like, mm-hmm. if your name is Louis, I'm, going, I'm calling you Louie. Like, Louie's a cool. good time. Louis, you're boring. And your Andrew Thomas takes stucks suck. Ricky Williams, who the Ricky Williams career was one of the weirdest to ever happen in the NFL. Like one year he's the best running back ever. The next I'm in upstate New York reading a newspaper and he's retired after four seasons. Is this the dude that went up in the mountain and like yes. found himself? Yeah. And smoked a lot of weed. That's uh, what I meant. Mike Mike Seddon. He he'd been said in that. And then Eric now his last name is spelled D U M M A N N, which is dumb in dumb man. Sure, like it's not even like dumb man or Dumon. Justin, I think it's Dumon. Who are these uh, Dumasses? I think it's Dumon. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/talkingGiants. That's where these wonderful people went for two dollars a month, plus some other tiers if you want. You get to hang out with us and watch shows live. Bobby Skinner will give you some magnets or stickers in the mail once you sign up, and then you got to answer that direct message. And also, you have an opportunity to get a free shirt raffle twice a month. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. 
All right, before we get into the wide receiver review, the Giants hired or upgraded Cade Knox, who was working their analytics department, to like uh, game game management, like game like uh, uh, game day management. His role is with the Giants, which I would assume is kind of like some other teams have done, where it's like, hey, he's kind of ear ear in the co in the ear of the coach, talking about certain situations. Um, you know, like fourth down here, you know, uh, go for two here type of stuff like that, which is interesting. You know, I, I don't go all crazy on those type of things. Cause I think some of those things they do are, are basic. It's just will- willingness of the coach buying in, which I thought about after our Jordan Renan's pod, uh, podcast, Justin, when we talked about analytics, you know, Pat Shermer was a pretty analytically forward coach. Like the way he went on fourth down, the two point conversion thing. Like he was one of the coaches who would do that. They miss a lot of extra points with Rosas. They would always kick the two after that, even if it was the first quarter of the game, second quarter, like, you know, going for uh, on two. The only thing that Pat Shermer was bad about was running on second and long. That was it. Yeah. But, like, I'm talking about, like, like in, like, game management stuff. Like, I remember uh, at that Cardinals game, people were killing him for calling timeouts early. And it was like, no, this actually ended up buying them more time. You know, I went and did the math on it. Hashtag yeah, analytics. I remember that. Um, but it was, like, where a guy like Joe Judge wasn't didn't buy into that stuff. So... Um, are we going to tell you much about this guy? Yes, he was a six foot four wide receiver out of Harvard. So, and he's a psych major. So, our yeah. nerds will beat up your nerds in the culture of violence. It is here to stay. Love it. Yeah, I, part of my main reaction was, I don't know what this means. I mean, obviously, you can pick out what the what the title is. I don't know what this means for the Giants because you know we've gotten excited in the past about. Oh, you know, they Dave Gettleman even promoted somebody in an analytics department. They did bring on more, you know, they brought on two full-time staff members, I think, for in, in the analytics department at the start of this offseason or 2020, whatever. You know, we're thinking, oh, that could mean something. I'm not sure. Let's let's see it, and let's, you know, then we'll get a story if the Giants win football games. We'll get a story this year from somebody on the beat or a reporter that's like, hey, this is one of the main sources of the giant success. These are the people that you don't know that are behind the scenes. I wish we can get more of a job description. I went on his LinkedIn and he literally lists his experiences from everything like dating back to even before like May of 2014. That was, and he went to Harvard in 2016. So he lists things that he went, had his experience in like when he was in high school, every single thing that he has experienced in in LinkedIn has a little description on the bottom of it saying what he does, except being a football data and innovation analyst with the giants that doesn't have any kind of description. So cool. Use them. Use them. Yeah. Use them. Doesn't mean everything that says end all be all, but use, use these guys as a resource. And remember the other uh, analytics guy, Ty C. Remember he was part of this, uh, this the lawsuit against the Giants. Remember he was beating people up in the in the workplace. Oh, analytics people beating people up. Yeah, Ty C. He works in uh, you know, in data innovation. He he was beating people up allegedly. I kinda, can I kind of like was that? Alleged. Uh, yeah, we talked. I mean, remember when that lawsuit came out? People were acting like it was the biggest thing in the world, and we were kind of like, no. I mean, I'm fine with Gooch, you know, tackling people in the hallway and. Uh, you know, we love the, like, you know, we're a pro-violence pod. Um, you know, we, we, we encourage that. It reverses the stereotype that nerds are nerdy and weak. Yeah. Just the, like the guys on Twitter, like Ben Baldwin, like those guys are nerdy and weak and I would punch in the face. Our nerds are not. Yeah. Our nerds will beat up your nerds. Let's talk about these wide receivers. Sure. And Justin, when you do, when you look into these guys' seasons individually, 
you had some names. Like going into this year, we did not, no one felt bad about the wide receiver group. You just paid Kenny Galladay. You brought him in to be that contested uh, catch guy. You drafted Kadarius Tony. Sterling Shepard has been very solid, and, and ex- especially with Daniel Jones, even the, over the past two seasons. You know, you got a guy like Slayton who's like, if that's your fourth wide receiver, you're feeling good about. But it was a really bad year. I mean, uh, Kenny Galladay had zero touchdowns. Uh, you know, the highest touchdown getter as a, from a wide receiver standpoint was Darius Slayton with two. Uh, you know, there was games where David Sills led the team in reception yards. So, to me, this wide receiver room is, yeah, but, or no but. Like, there's there's a lot of, like, explaining it. Like, there, when, you know, Daniel Jeremiah's tweet being like, well, you know, air raid. It's like, well, there's there's a lot more to pull back on this Giants wide receiver group. Because I don't think we all, like, wide receiver could, room could use help. But I don't think we all, any of us view wide receiver group as a need. In fact, it might be the position group. It might be, like, if there's one position group I'm excited to watch next year out of the current Giants roster, it's the wide receiver room still. Yeah, yeah depth is certainly, uh, you know, a question. But there's depth. There's a depth problem. You can make an argument on every single position group on this football team. So, you know, uh, it, that's not necessarily unique to the wide receiver room. And I, the, the yeah, but uh, example is is perfect because you look at Kadarius Tony's season and then there's a yeah, but, and we're going to go into that yeah, but. You look at Kenny Galladay's season, there's a yeah, but, and those are at least the two main guys. But the rest of the guys like Shepard and Slayton, I'm not really saying yeah, but. I'm kinda, I kind of have just reached a point with those guys. But uh, I have a question for you, just a general question in terms of, how teams played our wide receivers and the Giants' offensive system. Can I ask it? No. Okay. I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Why did Giants' wide receivers get so much cushion? Do you know what I, do you, do you know what I mean by cushion? Yes. I know so, what you mean by cushion. So wide receiver to defensive back, cushion from where those guys line up at the line of scrimmage. And I you know, was looking at next-gen stats like I, like I love to do. And almost every single wide receiver, Slayton, Shep, and Tony. Shep was like top five in the National Football League and highest amount of cushion that he received from the nearest defender. Why is that with this Giants offense, especially if they're not going deep? Because usually you want to sit back far and wait for that big explosive pass play. Was it a matter of, did you do you think teams were trying to jump routes because everything is anticip- anticipation? That's not what word anticipation routes, timing routes, where teams are just jumping routes? Why is it that they play so far back? Because that scared the Giants pre-snap away from testing teams deep. Okay. You know, that that's in reality. You know, when I talk about Kenny Galladay, it's like, well, all teams have to do is shade the safety to a side, and it basically took Kenny Galladay not even out of the play, but out of the progression. You know, it was a pre-snap offense, so if you're showing cushion – you know, the pre-snap offense isn't going to be about, you know, testing guys deep. Because, like, oh, well, they're, you know, they got the two high safeties or they're playing their cornerbacks off. Um, that's really what what it was because the Giants under Jason Garrett, when they good to go deep, did go deep the past two years. When was it? When they're pressing up Darius Slayton. Yeah. And he gets that outside release and they could get those wins. You know, so it was, it was, the offense was built on pre-snap reads that, if the pre-snap read wasn't to go deep, I they didn't go deep, and I think teams knew that. Like I, I, that's the way I like. You know, I watch the Giants. Uh, you know, every game three, four times through. But if like I was a defense, I would you know facing Jason Garrett in this offense, like they're not going to test me deep uh, unless I absolutely dare them to. Which is the only times that teams did. Like you know, look at the Bucks game uh, from 2020. That was the game where Jason Garrett was the most aggressive because they're blitzing the piss out of us, 
and and playing press and lining guys up tight. Yeah, that was just strange looking at those numbers and be like, why is why is Shep and Kadarius Tony topping the league and most amount of cushion given to that nearest defender there? So because typically you think of the opposite teams that don't stretch the football field, those guys are willing to p- play press and more physical because they don't respect the team's ability to throw the ball deep versus, you know, when teams do throw the ball deep, you want to play back and you want to play prevent. So I thought that was interesting. Faux show. All right, let's get into the individual guys. I'm going to start with Kenny Galladay, 28 Ooh. years old, signed the $72 yard, uh, million dollar deal. So it would make no sense to cut him this year. You want to save any money. Um, for 2023, he uh, would have $10.2 million dead cap and then eleven point two in savings. So if he has another bad year, you could get out of the contract, but uh, still a big chunk of dead cap. And then in 2024, it'd be 14.5, saving 6.8 and, and dead cap. In 14 games played, he had 37 catches, 521 yards, and zero touchdowns, and a 48.7% catch rate. All were career lows except for receptions per game, where his rookie season he had 2.5, this year he had 2.6. And this was, and I want to talk about his splits with DJ and without DJ and get into all that, but with Jason Garrett, which was every game of Daniel Jones except for one, my question is, why did they sign him? You know, I know people are mad at Kenny Galladay and, and, you know, if, you know, for him as a player. But I'm mad at Jason Garrett. Why did they sign him if they didn't plan to use him correctly? And we saw that Eagles game. They did use him correctly. He had seven targets. Every target was justified. He had two contested uh, ca- catch opportunities that uh, Daniel Jones put bad ball placement on. He led the team in with three catches. And uh, yeah, I think he had like, a, you know, 55, 60 yards. So not like a horrible game. You know, he had a drop on one play. Daniel Jones missed him on on a glance, uh, skinny post route. Like, like at seven targets, which is a good number for Kenny Galladay. Every single one was justified, and everyone should like should have like turned into something. You can't not every contested catch one is going to turn into something. Like you can you can ask for one out of two with those. When Kenny Galladay is that type of player, he's a contested catch on the sideline type player. And like we said in the when you're talking about the cushion, a safety shading to him totally neutralized. Him, not because of him, or neutralize the offense because like okay, we're not going to throw that ball to Kenny Galladay. Like we never were, had this mindset of like let's throw the ball to Kenny Galladay. Let's work on some back shoulder stuff to Kenny Galladay. And if you're doing that, why didn't they run more three level reads, Justin? Because now you got a corner deep and a safety deep occupying on Kenny Galladay that leads stuff underneath. But the Giants' offense just wasn't that. So Kenny Galladay had a disappointing year, zero touchdowns, insane. You know, when we signed him, like, if you would have told me that, I would have been blown away. Just blown away. And he he deserves some of that criticism because he's not like a guy who's built on separation. But Justin, but we totally knew, but here's the thing. I'm going to stop right the there. Wrong way. We knew that. Like, Kenny Galladay was top two. I think it was top two, top three bad in NFL separation this year, according to the next gen. Like, you could check it and it's there. But we knew that. The year in which he was best in 2019. He was also bottom of the barrel. Same thing with Darius Slayton, his rookie year too, which is why I think sometimes wide receiver separation, it's kind of an overused stat a little bit. You know, he was bad. And even when he's good, he was bad in that category. So I saw a lot of people this year, well, he's a wide receiver that doesn't get separation. He's never been a wide receiver that got separation. Never. Never. And it took until Jake Fromm, Bobby, Jake Fromm against the Cowboys, an absolute garbage time, for Kenny Galladay to get 
a contested catch opportunity, a legit, I'm not talking about just like a throwaway, a legit contested catch opportunity, 20-plus air yards down the field. And he caught it. And his longest play of 2021 was 36 yards. And that also came against the Cowboys. With Daniel Jones in seven games, they had three contested catch opportunities. One was a fourth and ten end of the game versus the Broncos. Like, total throwaway play. Like, if it wasn't fourth and ten, they're not throwing that ball. You know, like, and they shouldn't have with the coverage they had. But, you know, you had to because it was fourth and ten at the end of the game. So, a throwaway. Versus Washington on the sideline. Good decision. Good play. They didn't connect on it. Daniel Jones threw... uh, It was one of those plays where it's like... I. Daniel Jones threw a good, accurate ball, but it's like maybe take a little off of that, let Kenny Galladay adjust and make that play, you know? And then the other one was uh, with Freddie Kitchens versus the Eagles, you know, after they fired Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. So they in seven games, they had three chances to do, three opportunities where they did that. And then it convert on any, and again, like defenses, could you, like a defensive coordinator can be like, I'd be like, why did they sign this guy? Because he's not what these numbers show. It was literally like they were playing Madden. And, okay, we're just going to sign the wide receiver with the best overall this offseason and then just put him in whatever offense, whatever playbook you have selected in Madden. Like, that's legitimately what it felt like. Yeah, it, it made no sense to sign this guy if this is what you're going to do. Now, if you didn't do this and played to his strengths, which I hope this next, uh, you know, Brian Dable does, I still don't ha- – like, I'm kind of glad Kenny All is on this team still yep. and locked up for a couple years, you know? Like, we love that signing. I'm not going to go back and, and do revisionist history and say, how could the Giants do it? The signing made sense. But when it doesn't make sense is the way that they used him. The way that they used him. Like, it's it's so frustrating the way that they use this guy. Where they just didn't use him in these contested catch situations on the sideline. How much of it do you also put it on quarterback play? And this is something we talked about during the regular season, too. But uh, I almost put it 60-40. 60 system, 40 quarterback. The Eagles game with Freddie Kitchens, that was a game where it's like quarterback, like the, those two contested throws. Um, but I put it mostly on system. I mean, because he caught 60, 60.5% of his uh, his catches with Daniel Jones, which was the second best in his career. Uh, only only to 2020, where he only played four games, where it was 62.5%. Yeah, yeah you know, and, the, and now what, once the season ended, it's 48 point something percent. Yeah, so. yeah, 48.7%. You know, so with Daniel Jones, like, and he was having some good game, like they were reeling off some some good games, and then the offense just fell apart. And they weren't, you know, the Tampa game they didn't target him, even though there was like, but like the Tampa game, there was a time where Daniel Jones should have hit him for a touchdown, and he didn't hit him. So obviously, quarterback uh, comes into this, but it is mostly system for Kenny Galladay in particular. Yeah. It really is like Kadarius Tony. He like he he worked in the system, even though the system sucks. Sterling Shepard works in the system, even though the system sucks. Kenny Galladay doesn't. Like it was, it was unreal. And we know from Kenny, like we know this on, on good authority. Kenny Galladay hated Jason Garrett, like hated him. Like was very happy that he was fired. Like made it clear that after that week, two Thursday night football game, which, you know, they were four days into being in an NFL season. He's yelling. He's like, no, I was yelling at Jason Garrett. Like he, (laughs) like he did not like Jason Garrett. We know that on good authority that Kenny Galladay hated Jason Garrett. Um, and it's just it's just it's frustrating the way this last year went with him. With you know, with the when Daniel Jones went down, okay, all bets are off on on everything. But it's just so frustrating the way this guy used him. Like so I like I don't go into this year coming off of the zero touchdowns, the bad yards, bad catch rate with Kenny Galladay. And like I still feel the same about him that I did going into the season. 
Like, yeah. do you, are your feelings on Kenny Galladay that you had going into the season different than you do going into 2022? I mean, also, how much did injury play an impact on it? Because there, I mean, the, the two I games. I don't think much. The two game span of the Atlanta and the Saints game. I mean, that's that's the sam- that's the good sample size that we have of Kenny Galladay, and his catch rate over those two games were eighty two point eight five percent. He was average, you know, so the catch rate was high, but he also was averaging seventeen point six seven yards per catch over the, that two game span too. You know, and, and I was thinking to myself, especially after that Saints game, I'm like, we Kenny Galladay hasn't even been unleashed yet. He hasn't even been like fully unleashed where you're getting those contested catch opportunities on the sideline deep from that, you know, 15, 20 air yards. So we were really feeling good at that point. And how much did it, how much did injuries really come into effect? Cause there were, there were times and this is a, both a Galladay and Tony problem where are you healthy or are you not? Because this coaching staff, this judge coaching staff, one of the things that really bothered me is it's third down and they're not on the field. It's a second and long, and they're not on the field. You're either healthy and you're playing, or you're not healthy and you should be sitting. I think KG played pretty healthy for most of the season. Like there was game, like the Atlanta game, he was a little banged up. Uh, but I, I think for the most part of the season, Kenny Galladay was was pretty healthy. You know, there wasn't really thing, anything on the field that showed like this guy isn't like he's not. It, yeah, was he banged up? Yes, but I, I didn't think there was any. Was there any game where Kenny Galladay played and like he shouldn't be playing right now? I I don't know. That that's the thing. I, I Atlanta I don't was know. the only one he was close to missing and but that he played he, well. that he played in and like he looked fine in that game. Like he yeah. was run, he was, he trucked a dude in that game. Yeah, four catches, sixty four yards that game. So, um, that's the only thing with me with Galladay is, can you get through a season? And even if you're playing, are you at your hundred percent? Because I feel like a guy that doesn't breed that separation and you're relying on that contested catch. You know, you you kind of need to be at that peak. You need to be you need to be ro- really rolling. And can the quarterback and can whatever quarterback we have, it's probably going to be most likely going to be Daniel Jones. Can those guys create enough of a connection where Jones can trust Kenny Galladay that he can put the ball in different angles, different slots, different areas, different parts of his body, and he's going to come down with that catch? They're going to force him to try. They're going to force him to try at least. You know, and look at the splits with the, uh, you know, I didn't put the Cowboys game in because he left halfway through. With DJ, seven games, 23 catches, 372 yards, uh, a 16.5% catch rate, 16 yards per catch. Not great yards, but like great numbers, but like you're not like being like, oh, Kenny Galladay sucks. And then without DJ, six full games, 14 catches, 149 yards, a 40% catch rate, and 10.6 yards per catch. Um, So... Like I, I I go into 2022 this feeling the same way about Kenny Galladay that I did going into 2021. Really, the only difference is that now we're the team is rebuilding. Where last year the team was going for it, so it's like okay, well now you have a huge uh, contract on the books and a team on a year yeah. you're rebuilding. Like that's the only difference. But just Kenny Galladay as a player, as a, a weapon on the offense, I feel the same about him. Well, I mean, because we're a rebuilding team, they should be relying on him more. The fact that this is a guy on your football team that you do have and he is established, you know, versus a team that's, you know, quote unquote competing going for it, maybe is not relying on him as much because they have other pieces. Shep is going to be gone. You know, Slayton is not a guy that can be relied upon. Kadarius Toney, you know, TBD, we'll see. Kenny Galladay needs to be a guy that on a rebuilding team with a quarterback that is trying to prove himself and then heading going forward with a new quarterback, Kenny Galladay should be a guy that is relied upon and is used as a wide receiver one. Like He should be an advantage, and he's just not. 
and he was not. Let's talk about Kadarius Tony next. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs. Three city windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Simple man on radio, simple. DraftKings, which Justin skips every week. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Money, money, money. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Whatever. I do what I want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. That's JOM, not like John Boat. Like JOM, J-O-M-B-O-Y. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and physically uh, present in New York. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full details. Gambling problem call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Justin, you ready to talk about Kadarius Tony? Yes. This All is right, the I most. I have a question. One word. How are you feeling about Kadarius Tony heading into this offseason and therefore headed into next season? One word. One word exercise. We talking foot like football player or just like the whole Kadarius Everything. Tony experience? Everything. My word is apprehensive. Mine is excited. Let's talk about it. Which, when you put those together, it makes cautiously cautiously optimistic. Which would be two words, which is would have been a better exercise. Put a hyphen. Put a hyphen and it's one word. That, how about that? Kadarius Tony, round one, pick 20. Part of the Bears trade down. Justin, here's what I want to say before we get into Kadarius Tony. He's a good player. He's a good player. Like, when he's on the football field, he is a good player. And it took the Giants too long to realize that, even though they drafted the damn kid. But he is a good player. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. But, 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 but. He wasn't on the field enough. He wasn't on the field enough, Justin. He missed seven games this season. And and on, and three of them, they didn't use him to start the season, in, in reality. Like, you know, the the Denver game, they didn't use, you know, besides a few handful of snaps. The Washington game, they put him, they, they actually made him a part of the play on one on one rep. And then the, the Atlanta game, they, they he played like less, he like played maybe 50% of the snaps. And that was when the wide receiver room was screwed up. You know, Colin Johnson played more reps than him. Like, they didn't want to use him to start the damn season. Didn't have a single game where he had over 80% of the snaps. And there were three games where he had, had over 60% of the snaps. So um, I was thinking while I was looking at those the snap share numbers, I'm like, that was a criticism that Joe Judge and Giants offense, Giants coaching staff didn't get enough. The fact that these guys were just not on the football field when they when they were designated as active. In 10 games, he had 39 catches, 420 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, at a 68.4% uh, catch rate, 10.8 yards per catch. And seven uh, in the seven games where he was involved, you know, so let's take away those first three games. He had 35 catches, 406 yards, and uh, a 67% catch rate. F- 58 yards per game. That's really good for a rookie. Really good. 
And that includes the Rams game where he had three catches for 36 yards on six total snaps. You know, like he was going to go off in that game. Coming off the Dallas game where he had all those like yards, he was going to go off. He's electric. He's fast. He's a good route runner, but he's got work to do as a route runner as well. I don't know. Like like you said, he's, he's such a, it's a hard player to talk about because it's the biggest yeah, but because he's hurt. And, you know, and then he had the COVID stuff. And, you know, we talked about it on the Renan podcast. Like, you know, the missing OTAs for just, no reason. The sh- like, yeah. just all this random stuff that showed up. Uh, you know, and then the media's, you know, some clown stuff. Like, the Giants were very frustrated with Kadarius Tony. Like, after that Washington game, week two, like, there was some real, like, conversations about Kadarius Tony. Like, this, this franchise, the, the organization was very frustrated with Kadarius Tony as a person. Now, it, it smoothed out. There's little bumps in the road. You know, people got mad at him for his Henry Ruggs tweet and, and then, you know, you know some other stuff with the media. Yeah. Um, but who cares? When he's on the field, he's a really, really good player. Like, 100% worth worth the 20th pick. And I'm, I'm going to go through an exercise with you about the draft after after uh, after you talk about him. But he's a really good player. And if he's healthy, he's the player I'm the most excited about for the Giants offense under Brian Dable, Mike Kafka. Yep. He should ball. If he's on the field, like, let's hope these injuries were fluke. But if he's on the field, he is a flat-out baller. And he's going to be a star in New York. Like, a, he's, he's a star. He's not as good as Odell, but he's a he's a star. Like yeah. he's that good. Yeah, he needs to lead the team and catch us next year, and he needs to be that quote unquote security blanket for Daniel Jones. But he's a lot more than a security blanket. Like we gave Sterling Shepard the security blanket designation, high catch rate. You move the chains every once in a while. You keep you, you keep the you keeps the the drive sustained. You stay on schedule. I love that phrase, staying on schedule. Kadarius Tony's not a stay on schedule player. He's a let's you know take the top off without taking the top off. Let's get some explosive plays. Let's move the chains without you know. Hey, we're gonna give you the ball you know five yards before the you know five yards before the catch, right? But then you're gonna get eight nine yards after the catch. And there was a three game stretch, Bobby, eight point five, eight point five, and eight point nine yards after the catch per reception from the Atlanta to the Dallas game. So Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas. Those were the three yards after the catch per reception numbers that he had. During those three games, he was a difference maker, 100%. Tony was 11th in the NFL this year in yards after the catch per reception over expectation with plus 1.6. So basically, on average, Kadarius Tony added 1.6 yards per catch more than what he was expected to do. And he was 11th, Bobby, when if you look at his overall season and you look at his game logs and the advanced game logs, <laughs> really outside of those three games, uh, the Atlanta, New Orleans, and Dallas there's not really a game where you're like overly impressed with what Kadarius Tony does with the ball in his hands because he barely had any opportunity to get the ball in his hands to begin with. And he was still 11th in the NFL this year. And he did have enough catches and targets to qualify to be in that ranking next giants wide receiver ranked in that category was Kenny Galladay and Evan Ingram with both minus 0.2 yards after the catch per reception per expectation. Um, he also ranked towards the top of the league, even though I think this is a little overrated. Tony ranked in the top of the league in wide receiver separation, but also he was one of those wide receivers that had a pretty big, big cushion, pretty big cushion as well. And you can use him in so many ways. You can use him outside. You can use him in the slot. You can, like you said, you can use him as a security blanket on drag routes. You can use him as a distraction. You can use him on those deep posts, on those verticals. You can use him over, like there's, there's, the ways you can use Kadarius Tony is limitless. Really, really the only thing that Kadarius Tony's never going to be good at is contested catches. 
Like he'll never oh. be good at, at contested catches. He was five for nine uh, for cont- with contested catches this year. He had he did have some, I guess. But <laughs> Dallas. Like yeah, but like he's never going to be like a, a you know throw the ball up you know go go get it type player. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's going to beat you with speed. So on the top of your head, how many drops did he have? Three. One. 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 I, I'm trying to remember what game it was because oh, it was the Saints game. He had a big drop. It was early in the season. Yeah, it was this, the Saints game. He had a, he had a really big drop. I think it was on third down too. So yeah, good catching. I mean, he didn't have any drops his last year at Florida, so drops aren't an issue for Kadarius. Nope. Uh, he's just a wow player, and you can use him in so many ways. Like and bringing Mike Kafka over from the Chiefs and making those Tyreek Hill comparisons, like that should excite you. That should excite you in the ways they can use this guy if 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 healthy, if. If healthy. Yeah. Big thing with him, and, you know, frankly, I won't just put it on him. I'll also put it on Galladay, too. I don't care what the reason is. If you miss camp, it's bad. Be in camp. Be a part of the spring. Take adva- the, the Giants this year are going to have to take advantage since there's going to be so much that's different. You know, there's probably going to be a lot of new players that are coming in. It's going to be big for this draft class. Um, you know, this is the the big, arguably one of the biggest draft classes in franchise history that we have coming up this year. What the Giants do in this draft, take advantage of the time that you're going to have, the extended time that you're going to have in training camp, and with the you know with the new coaching staff. Yeah, Be show up at camp. Yes, I don't care what the reason is for you miss this again. This goes. Not, I'm not just putting Tony in this boat. This going to Galladay too. You gotta be there because I also think that is one of the reasons why. Yes, yeah, system was bad. But if you had time with the system, you know, Kyle Rudolph is showing up week one. All right, I'm ready to go. Kenny Galladay showing up. All right, I'm ready to go. Kadarius Tony showing up. All right, I'm ready to go. And they didn't have all that month of August together. You got to be there. Do it. There was 12 first-round picks after Kadarius Tony. Sure. Quiddy Pay. Kadarius Tony or Quiddy Pay? Who do you want? Kadarius Tony. Caleb Farley, the cornerback for the Titans. I'd rather have Tony. Christian Darisaw. This might be the one that people say, but Darisaw didn't play overly well for the Vikings. No, and also we have we have depth with D tackle. So no, he's the offensive tackle. Sorry, Christian Darisaw is. You're the thinking of Christian Bearmore. There you yeah. go. Uh, Najee Harris, running back. Travis Etienne, running back. Greg Newsom, the cornerback for the Browns. We don't know how good a cornerback is, so if, if a Browns fan says yes, then okay. Rashad Bateman. This is the one that people will say yes. Bateman was just as injured, essentially, as Kadarius Toney. And in a functioning offense, he averaged two more yards per game than Kadarius Toney. Yeah. Toney can do more than Rashad Bateman can on the field. Peyton Turner, yes. Eric Stokes, the Green Bay corner. I think he played really well. That might be one where, especially now that we have Wink Martindale, a guy who could play some man coverage, yes. Gregory Rousseau, I still take Toney over him. Uh, Odafe away out of the Ravens. Uh, I'm not sure how his season went. Joe Chyna from the... Like, you you can at least make the argument that Kadarius Tony is a better pick than all of those guys. And I would still rather have the two draft picks this year versus the yes. one last year. Exactly, exactly. You know, because Giants have two draft picks this year. If the Giants stand pat at, what were they picking, 11 last year? If they stand pat at 11 last year, you know, Joe Shane only has the number five pick, then we're possibly trading back in this year's draft. And then you get, you're, you're not getting a, a Neal. You're not getting an Aquanu. You're not getting a top-tier edge rusher that's coming at five. They turned the 11th pick into the 7th pick, the 20th pick, uh, a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick they used to trade up to get Aaron Robinson. Yeah. 
the, the I'm trade for that. was one of, if not the best things that Dave Gellman ever did. And who they draft doesn't change that, uh, change that, you know, this year. Draft, the, the pick, the player you pick with the draft pick, it was the right decision. Anyways, I mean, they literally moved up four spots, if you think about it. They went from 11 to 7 this year. Um, and then you got the 20. So, Tony. All right. Um, first, Justin, before we get into the next segment, I know you're like, oh, maybe Bobby wants me to read the ad. I don't. I don't. You know what it's time? It's time to play that damn ass giant stories music. I don't know if we can play the music anymore. Play the freaking music. Play the damn music. Giant stories where we look at the New York Giants Instagram stories and see what interests us. Antonio Williams, he was like me. At Daytona, Blake Martinez and Caden Smith went to a Rangers game. And then Blake Martinez went to Disney. John Ross also was at Disney, but I think the California one. And he was at an arcade with his kids. Seems like a good dad. Sandro Platzgummer, he's back in Austria. Corey Cunningham was at a rodeo, and his six foot seven, three hundred eleven pound ass was on a horse. Raymond Johnson was at a Georgia Southern basketball game. Austin Johnson was at an Arizona State, Oregon State basketball. Darius Slayton went to In and Out and said overrated. Will Hernandez was watching Big Lebowski, and Julian Love has picked up playing the piano as a hobby this offseason. Justin, what piques your interest? Can I be honest? Go for it. I wasn't listening. And Tony Williams went to Daytona. Blake Martinez, Caden Smith were at a Rangers game. Blake Martinez went to Disney as well. John Ross went to Disney in California and is in an arcade. Sandro Platzman was back in Austria. Corey Cunningham wrote, went uh, on the rodeo and he rode a horse at six foot seven, three hundred eleven pounds. Uh, Raymond Johnson went to a Georgia Southern basketball game. Austin Johnson, Arizona State, Oregon State basketball game. Darius Slayton went to In-N-Out and said overrated. Wow. Will Hernandez was watching the Big Lebowski and Julian Love. Sing us a song. He's the piano man. He picked up playing the piano as a hobby this offseason. Can you explain why Simple Man Radio was tweeting about Will Hernandez? I literally just, like, I was thinking about, like, free agency and stuff. And, like, I, I wanted to tweet from Talking Giants. Like, would you franchise Will Hernandez? Just be like, I just want to get a reaction. I'm bored. Um, and I was like, and I'm not going to do that because it's, it's as much as I, I, I know what's going to happen, it's going to annoy me when it happens. So I did it from Simple Man Radio, and the same exact thing happened. People explaining to me, like, no, you can't franchise tag Will Hernandez. Really? I thought that was, like, in the works, like, giving a, giving a guard who's bad, like, $7 million for one year. I thought that was in the works. Franchise, when you're cap-stricken. Um, he was watching Big Lebowski, which we do have Talking Giants Big Lebowski stickers, which is yes, cool. Yes, wait. Right here. That's, nope, that's, that's Trailer nope, Park that's Boys. Trailer Park Boys. Dope. Wrong one. Um, I'm not going to get up and get them. Um, Darius Slayton said, in, have you had In-N-Out before? I'm really mad. Really thought I had that sticker. Um, I don't think so. It's only in California. So everyone no. I know that's been to California and has had five guys, they all say five guys is better. I have a weird relationship with five guys because I... <laughs> funny. <laughs> I call it myself. Um, I'm allergic to peanuts, I think. And I've had it before, and I feel a little something in my throat, and then I have to stop. So five guys. Um, yeah, but I have, I have five guys in my throat. All right. Uh, Sandro's throat. back in Austria. Good Hope for him. Happy for him. Wonder how wonder if he how many sound of music jokes that he gets. 
Probably none. John Ross seems like a good dad. Are we going to talk about John Ross in this wide receiver? We are. We are. Okay. Very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, that was that was kind. Of, I mean, Corey Cunningham getting on a horse is kind of like nuts. And then he was. I think he has horses though too. Like he's a he's a country boy. He's bigger than the horses. Yeah, like I he, found that to be funny because usually when people are on horses, it's like, hey, look at me. I'm on a horse. The horse is obviously much bigger. Yeah, it's like his feet are like touching the ground almost. Yes, it's insane. Uh, it is insane. All right, Justin, let's get back into the wide receiver review. Next on the list is Sterling Shepard. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on him because I think we all think he might be gone, even though he is rehabbing at the Giants organization. And it's like, man, this is going to be awkward if they do cut him in a couple weeks. He's 29 years old, the longest tenured player on the New York Giants. The longest tenured. In seven games, he had 36 catches, 366 yards, one touchdown on a 68% catch rate, 52 uh, yards per game, which was the team's best and, and as far as yards per game. Here's the issue. He had the injury at the end of the year. It's going to be a long road of recovery for Sterling Shepard. And you save four and a half mil of cap space if you cut him. But there's still eight mil of dead cap, which is kind of frustrating. Um, and then in 2023, if they waited, they would save nine and a half and then uh, uh, four mil of dead cap. But there's two million dollars added on both those years because they restructured him in September. You know, so that's pretty frustrating to the Giants were in that situation. So here's something, you know, we talked about Sterling Shepard a lot coming into this season. Like him and Daniel Jones' connection was real. 80% catch rate. But this year is like, Shep only played seven games, five of those with Daniel Jones, two of those games with Daniel Jones, he played like less than 40% of the snaps. So I went and looked at the three games where he like, he just, he played, he like, he started, he played the full game with Daniel Jones. 26 catches, 283 yards, one touchdown on a 75% case rate. That's eight and a half catches for 94 yards per game. He was balling. He was balling when they had Daniel Jones on this offense. Like he was the out. main reason why the offense was moving and operating the first quarter of the season. Like when we were talking about, oh, you know, hey, this Giants offense—they're producing a lot of yards, but they're still not producing a lot of points. And especially that Washington game, like Kenny Galladay was the secondary piece. Like we talked about how he had a good, a, a solid start to the season. He still was the secondary piece, and Sterling Shepard having. At one point, Bobby, it was a 90% catch rate. Can't remember after you know what game it was after. But the first couple weeks of the season, that catch rate was 90% Sterling Shepard had. He was the main reason why the Giants offense was somewhat functioning. Yeah, Denver, he balled. Washington, he balled. And then got hurt versus the Falcons. Came back versus the Rams. Had uh, 10 catches for 80 yards in that game. Then got hurt, um, I think, against, maybe against the Chiefs. Uh, or the- I remember him being there, yeah. I think he got hurt during the cheat, but either way he didn't play. I don't know, but there was another game with Daniel Jones where he didn't play a lot. But that's the had, main problem. That's the main had problem. Two games with, uh, you know, the from, uh, Glennon era. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I that's the thing for... with Shep. It's, he was the one player coming into the year. It's like, you just got to factor injuries into the equation. Yeah. And now you add this very, his first very serious major, like long recovery ahead of you injury. It's, it's, it's time to move on from Shep, you know, if he didn't have that injury, I think it's actually a tough decision. I do. But he had that major injury, and it's time to move on from Sterling Shepard, even though he's been playing the best football of his career. Yeah, in our PPPs, we usually like to say you can't predict injuries, you can't predict injuries. He was the one player where it's like, 
you got to kind of pencil him in to miss five games. Um, and this time, what's uh, 18 minus 7? 11. Yeah, missed 11. And really, the one note that I have on Sterling Shepard in kind my of document, missed 13. You only, you know, they got hurt mid game, like early in those games, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the one note that I have in this document, really on Sterling Shepard, and I could talk a lot about Shep, but it's seven games. That's that's the one thing. That is really the one thing. Um, you know, because I've talked for years, and you know, when I first came on this show and the offseason leading up to my first regular season on the show, so it was 2020. Yeah. So the 2020 season, I'm giving Sterling Shepard Steve Smith comparisons, and that was kind of valid because <laughs> two guys with high catch rates and two guys that are reliable on third down security blankets, they they move the chains methodically, but they also struggle with injuries and they get hurt. Now, Steve Smith has a 100-catch season that's, in, that's on his resume. Sterling Shepard does not have that, so uh, that's the difference between those two guys. But Shep did play that role. For Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, young in his career, um, Steve Smith played it for Eli, you know, Shep played it for Daniel Jones. Obviously, just the the results weren't as good as it was with Smith. Yeah, like, you know, we talked about it being, yeah, but, like, he has the most damning but. It's like he just gets hurt every single yeah. year, and now he's coming off of a major injury where he probably won't, he, like, we don't even know if he's going to be ready to start the season, and even then he probably won't be the same. So it's time to move off from Sterling Shepard. You know, this is the, the la- this will be his last season in the twenties. This upcoming season, it's time to move off, and you got to clear some cap space anyway. So he went from maybe the one that maybe the toughest one to the easiest one because he's the one where like the dead cap versus cap savings isn't as outstanding as you would want, but the injury kind of I feel like it makes it easy yeah. even though like he was on mckinney's instagram live they're all in the building rehabbing i was like man it's gotta be suck gotta suck cutting players especially mm-hmm. like players like shep who again has been the longest tenured new york Giants. so i don't think giants fans have anything bad to say about sterling Shepard. no i think it's the opposite i think they only have good things to say about sterling Shepard, and he only deserves only good things to be said about him next on the list this was i think the most disappointing guy in the group by far darius slayton 25 years old He's in the last year of his contract, and because of the playing time he's gotten as a late round pick, his his two point five million dollar cap hit, which you can, uh, or it's two point uh like six, and then if you cut him, you save two and a half mil. Uh, in thirteen games, he had twenty six catches, three hundred thirty nine yards, two touchdowns, a forty four percent catch rate. That's twenty six yards per game. This was just a bad year overall for Slayton. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Like it was a bad year. He had three games, um. You know, we had zero catches and zero yards. And this is coming off of his rookie season where he had 48 catches, 740 yards, eight touchdowns. His second year, which we thought was disappointing, which we would have, like, craved for the way the Giants offense was. He had 50 catches, 751 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, he just disappeared in games, in the games that he was needed. Just totally disappeared. Um, Really, the only time he had an impact, like a really good impact, was in the beginning of the season. When, you know, the teams were shading over to Kenny Galladay and they would press up on Darius Slayton, they would audible Slayton to, you know, that outside release go and Jones was putting the ball. And we had those two deep, uh, you know, the deep one first, the Broncos, the touchdown versus Washington. And then he had the drop on the touchdown uh, on that deep post uh, versus Washington as well. And then it just totally fell off. I mean, he had six drops, uh, which was really bad. He just was a bad player. Like, even if you look at his splits with uh, Daniel Jones, they were definitely a lot better than his overall, but he, like in eight games, uh, he had 19 catches, 267 yards, and a touchdown on a 51% catch rate. Like there's, he was just bad all year, and I don't. It's 
it's been such a weird career for Darius Slayton to just go from a fifth round pick who was missed essentially all the training camp, missed the first two games and just be thrown on the scene and like, bam, you're the, you're the best wide receiver on the team. Uh, and to get the second year where it's like, oh, he's not a wide receiver one, but still a good player, put up 750 yards, you know, he can be a, a deep threat. And then this year where it was just flat out pitiful for Darius yeah. Slayton. Yeah, I don't think Darius Slayton is a wide receiver that's going to provide you anything except catching the football, whether he's running in a straight line, whether he's you know running in the middle of his route. Like He's not going to be a guy that's going to create a lot of separation. He's not going to be the guy that's going to create a lot of yard. It's going to create a lot of yards after the catch per reception. Um, you know, it's he's just gonna he has to be a player that's kind of developed around scheme, and that's what it was in 2019. You know, big big play slay. It was it was a legit thing. He was fifth worst in the National Football League this year in yards after the catch per reception. He had six drops the last two years, so six drops in 2020, six drops in 2021. The only difference was is that he was targeted a lot less this year, so his drop rate was 10%. So one out of every 10 times that Darius Slayton was being targeted this year, he dropped at one of those passes. So um, it's not good. It's not good. Darius Slayton is, like, for a fourth wide receiver and for a fifth-round pick, I still consider Darius Slayton to be a success. The fact that he's still on the team and the fact that he probably does still have a role – but it can't be as a wide receiver three. I think it has to be as a wide receiver four. Like, he's fine. Yeah. So, what if the they're going to have to clear cap space? He's one that you can cut with no dead cap. What They cut him. What, what What's your reaction? What, what, what are you free? Two and a half mil is cap space. Oh, boy. My rea- now, now knowing that it's two and a half million... My thing is, you're still gonna have to bring somebody else in. That's also the thing, or you know, you can't just go about this off season. And I've been trying not to do this myself. Like O'Shane makes sense to cut him now. It's it's just south of a million dollars, but still, it makes sense. You're gonna be adding more edge guys, and you already still have some edge guys on this team. But Slayton, like if you're gonna be cutting Shep, and you already have Tony and Galladay on the team that are injury prone to begin with, what other wide receivers are really on this football team? I agree. You know, I so I, I think it kind of, I think it makes sense to keep Darius Slayton. Yeah, it's just we make those arguments for a lot of guys, and then it's like, where are they going to get this 40 mil of cap space? Yeah, I mean, because, but also, you're going to have to bring somebody else in to be a wide receiver. And Am I, that- can I just say, I know the Giants don't want to restructure, and I know this is a bigger conversation. Why not restructure a little bit? Like, I think they have like 90 mil worth of cap. Um, Next year, why not restructure a couple guys? Well, I think I think Kenny Galladay and Leonard Williams are the two guys that they should definitely restructure. That would require extending, but they should. No, you could just push it into... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, just a really disappointing year for Darius Slayton. But guess what, Darius? Expectations have never been lower, so you can... Uh, <laughs> You can exceed them this season. Like, yeah. if, if three games with zero catches, zero yards. And games where he was needed, too. Like, and games uh, where he, he was, like, healthy for most of the season. Whereas 2020, I'm like, remember that Washington 40-yard catch that he had against Washington at home? And he got hurt, and he pulled yeah. up on his ankle? And I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't be surprised if Darius Slayton got, like, off-season surgery or something on his ankle. I don't think he did. But I was, I don't like, Darius, just Darius Slayton wasn't right. This year, I mean, he was there. He was out there. He just didn't do anything. So, 
So frustrating for sleep. All right, there's five more guys we're going to go through real quick, but you're going to read the ad first. Yes. Bobby Skinner, can I get a round of applause? The listeners did. I... Oh, the listeners did it? Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, I'm going to celebrate today. I'm excited to announce Manscaped. They've launched the Ultra Premium Collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. So... Head up north because Manscaped is going to take care of you past your ball sack. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit routine for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist, but now trust them with the rest too. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off with free shipping when you use the promo code GIANTS. So here's what you can get in the Ultra Premium Collection. Manscaped Premium Deodorant, Hydrating Body Spray, Body Wash, 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and high... Justin doesn't have his glasses on. A fancy oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. So I want you to get that Ultra Premium Collection hot off the shelves Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. I'm looking forward to using the chapstick because my lips get dry very easily. Great. All right. Uh, John Ross, 10 games played, one-year deal, 11 catches, 224 yards, one touchdown, 20 yards per catch. Successful signing or not? Yes. Yeah, got yes. some big plays. He even moved the chains on some games. Every uh, time that John Ross was targeted, I said that worked, and I was happy with it. And I, when I did the or deep caught the, the ball, the Daniel Jones deep ball passing thread, like you know that Cowboys game, there was two deep attempts to John Ross. Like those could have Daniel Jones put a better ball on him. Those could have been completed. Next or, on the list, or, wait, or hold on. Arguably, the best play of the season, best touchdown of the season, was that fifty yarder against the Saints. And yeah. that was like into double coverage where that was thrown. Yeah, that fifty yard catch that was uh totally underthrown by Daniel Jones in the Chiefs game. Like he Ross did what his did his job was and he didn't have the drops. Um if we had a better functioning system, I think he could have had a much better season. Literally for all these guys. Except for maybe the next guy, I don't know. But I will say Colin Johnson had career worse in every single category. Wow. Like and that's a guy who played with the Jaguars the Join join the party. 11 catches, 105 yards. Here's what I'll say on Colin Johnson. Remember when he had five catches for 51 yards versus the Falcons? You're like, wow, did they find a player in this guy? And he was the first person to uh, address the media after a game where a lot of Giants fans were expecting to burn down the stadium and the boos were they were booing John Merritt at Eli Manning's press conference. Remember when they did that? Fun. That's my memory of Colin Johnson. Is that like I will like. That Falcons game, I will be remembered for booing John Merritt. People literally telling him to kill himself, which was crazy. And uh, Colin Johnson, like, are we gonna ha- are we gonna start having Colin Johnson takes going forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had eleven catches for one hundred five yards, career lows. Um, yeah, he he did much better with Mike Glennon in the Jaguars. It's almost like the entire Giants offensive system was broken, and their offensive line sucked. Dante Pettis, this is an interesting one. Got hurt again. In two games where he played, he com- he played like less than 60%. There's two games where he actually played. There's one game where he had like two reps. 
he had a com- like in those games he had a combined less than 60% of the snaps but he was part of the offense he had 10 catches 87 yards a touchdown a 62% catch rate he did it all right towards the end of the season in 2020 uh, I'm Dante Pettis is my early favorite for wide receiver five in training camp. Actually, he's no, here? he's coming off injury. Yeah, I was like, is he even here? Yeah, I don't know, but I like him more than Colin Johnson. Yeah, faster. I mean, think about how much playing time he got, and he had one less catch than John Ross. Yeah. Next on the list, Pharaoh Cooper. I didn't even write down his stats. He sucks. Oh, wow. He's a horrible wide receiver. He, he didn't catch that kickoff. Um, he sucks. Anything on Farrell Cooper? Fun name. David Sills got his first catch of his NFL career. Two catches, 17 yards. He was the team's leading receiver versus the Chicago Bears. How about that? Wow. He had a bad drop. People, people, yeah, he did. Um, it was actually versus the Panthers. He had that bad drop, um, which it was like, you know, just that his first game being active in the NFL. But he's still on the team, and he has another offseason of following Daniel Jones around the country. Do you think Sills a, Army? How do you think Sills Army behaves during training camp? I, I don't want to even think about that. I was on the Raymond Johnson train list training camp. Uh, the boat trip pick was one of my favorite pictures that emerged during the season. That they took a trip. I don't know when it was. It wasn't in it was, the season. It had to be over the in the season. Or it was, or no, I meant before the season, or yeah. or at the very latest, the Arizona trip, which I don't think that's when it was. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. What, what, what rivers are there in Arizona that you could put a boat on? I'm sure there's lakes. Lakes. The rivers between. I'm us. pretty sure it was the off season. David Sills was the just... Arizona off season trip. I think is when it was. Actually, no, Kenny Galladay wasn't at that. David Sills just hanging with KG, Shep, Barkley was there? Question mark. No. No. I don't think he was. Just hanging David with the Sills. Guess who was at the Joe Judge going away party? Like maybe like five players. David Sills was one of them. He was being coached up. Uh, so during so during the Massachusetts trip, there was and I and I remember having this observation on the live stream. Uh, Sills was really being coached up by Judge, and Judge didn't coach up a lot of individual players, but Sills was one of those guys. I think Judge was talking to him about how he carries the football. Seems like every time I saw Joe Judge like coaching someone individually, it was about how they carried the football. <laughs> like there's a Calvin Benjamin clip in my head. Like seriously, like he carries tone. Like that was his big like. This is the it's way. It's very you- important if they catch the football. Yeah. All right. That's that's an episode. Uh, again, three episodes next week. Monday is gonna be the Daniel Jones week uh, year in review. Um, Wednesday will be some po- uh, reacting to Joe jo- or Joe Shane and Brian Dable pressers. With Zach Rosenblatt as well. Um, and then Friday will be some combine wrap-up. But we'll be talking combine. We're going to be covering the combine on social media and everything. Posting stuff. Justin, I have this question for you. For you. I've been meaning to ask you. You know how I post some All-22 college clips on Twitter? Should I start posting those on Instagram as well? Yeah, we got to... I think we should... We got to start just doing talking football social stuff. We got to get someone to help us with that. Maybe... Uh, our, we have a, a new paid intern, right? Can I say that on the show? Yeah, it's for Julian. Sure. Julian Bright, who went, he's the guy who went to me at the Bucks game, does really good work. He start, you know, the Trailer Park Boys, like the cigarette in the mouth, like sticker that we yeah. have, and there, we had it as a shirt for thirty minutes only. He created that like on his own. So Julian's been doing a lot of good work behind the scenes for us, um, and now he's officially uh, with John Boy Media. How about that? Um, no more under the table stuff. Bam. All right, uh, so go follow him on Twitter. What's his Twitter handle? 
I got him. He's a really good photographer too. Like he's going to be you. You you're going to be seeing Julian this off season. We're not going to be able to keep him down. Um, Julian M. Bright. Bright is that? common spelling. Yeah, he's gonna. You you'll you'll be seeing him this off season. He's going to be involved in some stuff. So, how about that? All right. So that's an episode. We will see you guys on Monday for Combine Week, baby. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Enjoy your weekend, people. Until then, let's go big blue.